time. No friend to evolution. Our downhill genetic slide fits the biblical creation timeline. By David Catchpool. Originally published July 2012. Many evolutionary biologists say they can't understand how creationists, even rational ones with PhDs in biology, can deny evolution when we see evolution happening in front of our eyes. To them, the easily observable genetic changes in today's populations of living things are an obvious demonstration that microbes demand evolution is a fact. Just give it enough time, they say and these observable little changes would accumulate and, filtered by natural selection, would eventually add up to the big changes that turn pond scum into people, etc. Sounds logical enough. So where's the error? The issue is not the amount of change we observe, but the direction. The observable changes that evolutionists cite as evidence for their paradigm, such as the sticklebacks, bighorn sheep, Atlantic cod, pollution-resistant worms, and antibiotic and pesticide resistance are all going the wrong way. They are the direct opposite of what microbes-to-men evolution requires. Adding up these downhill changes can never result in the uphill evolutionary frog-to-prince progression. Furthermore, time will not solve the problem. In fact, the more time you have, the worse the problem gets. Time is no friend to evolution. To use an an analogy from commerce, if a grocery store continues to make a net loss of $1 per day, then time will not result in a profit, but ultimately, bankruptcy. Sadly, this is just where we're heading biologically, as our increasing knowledge of the human genome attests. Renowned geneticist and inventor of the gene gun, Dr. John Sanford, and his landmark book, Genetic Entropy and the Mystery of the Genome, highlights the problem. The relentless net effect of random mutations, which evolution is supposed to be the engine of evolution, is actually degradation or complete destruction of function. This is not merely Dr. Sanford's opinion. The wider genetics research community, that is, whether creationist or evolutionist, now accepts that point mutations in human reproductive cells are in the order of a hundred or so per individual each generation. And there are additional kinds of mutations, that is to say, deletions or mitochondrial mutations, which exacerbate the situation. The overall contributions imply some 1,000 nucleotide changes in every person, every generation. As Dr. Sanford puts it, So every one of us is a mutant, many times over. Now, a mutation rate of only a few per person per generation would be a problem because everyone recognizes that most mutations are harmful, even if only slightly, and natural selection can only get rid of one or two per generation. Several mutations in a genome the size of the human one would mean the deleterious mutations must accumulate. A figure many times this creates a huge problem. And so the longer that people are on the earth, the worse it's going to get, with increasing incidence of birth defects and other obvious symptoms of genetic disorders such as cancer, 
cancer is fundamentally the result of mutations within our blood cells. And increasing evidence indicates that aging is due to the accumulation of mutations within the cells of our body. Such is the alarmingly high rate of the increase in the human population's total number of accumulated mutations. That is to say, the genetic load of genetic burden, from generation to generation, that evolutionary geneticists are bewildered as to why we haven't already become extinct. For example, evolutionary geneticist Alexei Kondrashov asked, Why aren't we dead a hundred times over? However, their puzzlement arises because they believe that humans have been on Earth for at least a hundred thousand years. Some would say a million years. In other words, the fact that we're not extinct indicates that the human genome has not been around long enough to deteriorate to lethal levels. Yet that doesn't fit the evolutionary timeline. Hence, their bewilderment. But for Christians, all this should be no surprise. Romans 8, 21-22 The fact that we're still here with such a high rate of mutational degeneration is powerful evidence for the Bible's 6,000-year timeline of human history, with only about 200 or so generations since our ancestors Adam and Eve were created with their very good physical bodies. Genesis 1, 31 Further confirmation is that the genetic decline is consistent with the decrease in longevity after the catastrophic population bottleneck at the flood, which you can read about in Genesis 6 and beyond. And this also helps us to better understand the generational timing of the injunction from God to Moses prohibiting marriage between close relatives. Leviticus 18, 9, 20, 17, Deuteronomy 27, 22. This became necessary to minimize the risk of deformed offspring that can result from shared mutations between genetically close parents. In his book, Dr. Sanford bluntly warns that there is no realistic method to halt degeneration. This is bad news. Like the Titanic, we're going down, down, down. Not evolving up, up, up. But Dr. Sanford does not shy away from this. Here's some of what he says in his personal postlude in the book. One of my reviewers told me that the message of this book is both terrifying and depressing. He suggested that perhaps I am a little like a sadistic steward on board the Titanic, gleefully spreading the news that the ship is sinking. But this is not correct. I hate the consequences of entropy, degeneration. I hate to see it in my own body and in the failing health of loved ones, or in the deformity of a newborn baby. I find it all absolutely ghastly, but also absolutely undeniable. Surely a real steward on the Titanic would have a responsibility to let people know that the ship was sinking, even if some people might hate him for it. I feel I am in that position. Responsible people should be grateful for the bad news, so they can constructively respond to it. If we have been putting all of our hope in a sinking ship, would it not be expedient to recognize this and abandon the false hope? It is only in this light that we can appreciate the bad news. Only in the light of the bad news can we really appreciate the good news that there is a lifeboat. You can probably guess that Dr. Sanford goes on to reveal the identity of the lifeboat, namely Jesus Christ. And there is a big difference between the freely offered lifeboat compared to the Titanic's lifeboats. 
Many people died in the Titanic disaster largely because there was insufficient room in the lifeboats to accommodate all the passengers and crew. But the author of Life's Lifeboat has no such restriction, with plenty of room for all who gratefully receive Jesus' offer of rescue. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I am going there to prepare a place for you. John 14, 2 Evolution's Achilles Heels is a powerful book that exposes the fatal flaws of evolutionary thinking. Like no other work that we are aware of, it is authored by nine PhD scientists to produce a coordinated, coherent, powerful argument. All of the authors received their doctorates from similar secular universities as their evolutionary counterparts. Each is a specialist in a field relevant to the subject written about, natural selection, origin of life, geology, genetics, radiometric dating, the fossil record, cosmology, and ethics. Evolution's Achilles heels directly demolishes the very pillars of the belief system that underpins our now secular culture evolutionary naturalism. It's coupled with the biblical command to reach the lost with the Bible's good news. In a nutshell, it's a comprehensive outreach tool like no other. Available as a DVD and a book. Get your copy of Evolution's Achilles Heels at creation.com forward slash store. I am Joseph Darnell. For everyone at creation.com. Thank you for listening.